You're listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by Miniquip Hire, WA's leading machinery hire company, supporting the Landscape Industries Association, WA. G'day landscapers and welcome to another edition of Green Thumbs Up, the landscaping podcast for landscapers by landscapers. Brought to you by our good friends at Miniquip, Bailey's Fertilisers and Domus Nursery. Joining me behind the mic, as always, is Kieran Kelly from, where are you from again, Kizza? Open Gardens WA. Open Gardens WA at the moment. At the moment, oh, that's, a, that's a bit cryptic. No, no, um, good to see you again, Kieran. Thank you, Darren. Hey, we've got good a very, very special guest this week. We've always got special guests, but a very, very special guest... Um, we have our new executive officer for the landscape industry at WA joining us, um, Christine Stanton. Hello, Christine. How are you? Hello, Darren. Hello, Kieran. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much. For, we know you're very busy because we're working you very hard. So it's, um, I'm very glad you could make the time to come and see us. Thank you for the invitation. I look forward to the discussion. Um, so the EO job at landscape industry of WA. What drew you to that job? What was the you know other than obviously getting to be on the podcasts? You know, the main draw car, but there must be something else in, in the role that you thought, this is for me. Oh, I thought I might get a nice garden out of it. Unlikely. <laughs> I've seen your garden. You've got a very nice garden. So. <laughs> Are you a gardener, Christine? Uh, not really a gardener. I uh, just uh, fill in the patches when my husband's not doing his work. So Right. Well, that's good enough. <laughs> you know, Christine's gard- um, husband actually is a gardener. And, and from what I've seen, only on the, the, the small pool of evidence I've seen in their own home garden, a very good gardener by the look of it. Yeah, he's got a bit of a horticultural background, that's for sure. Qualified horticulturalist and landscaper. So, yeah, he, he used to do a lot of brick paving as well. So he used to work for Metro Bricks a long time ago and he developed the paving um, uh, modules that they used to use for teaching people how to brick pave. Ah, oh, great. Very good. So um, as a new EO, what's your early impressions of the association? What do you see it's, uh, how it's serving its role within the industry? Oh, I think the Landscape Industry Association plays a really important role in providing that collective voice for businesses. I think that uh, the association members have an opportunity to regularly share information, discuss issues and develop standards and establish rules for the best practice within the industry. I guess my role will be to advocate on behalf of the industry and therefore on behalf of of all the people that are are listening. So you have a really broad background of working in other industries, long before you came to us. So what what are some of the, the skills and um, clever tricks you've picked up over the years in, in those industries that will help you um, make the landscaping industry the, well, let, let's hope for it, uh, the number one industry in West Australia, Kieran? Oh, I would hope so. <laughs> well, I, um, I've come from a quite a varied career. My, it's built over many, many years, so I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But it has included working in very many different industries, from government, uh, advertising, marketing organisation, education as a lecturer, sport, corporate areas, media and property. Um, So I've worked in quite a variety of different areas and um, I guess in recent years I've probably been more devoted uh, and my energies have gone into the not-for-profit sector. So I've been working in aged care, community care, I've been working for peak bodies like teacher organisations, the specialist teacher organisations and working in homeless area. So I've had a, a bit of a, a wide variety of uh, involvement over recent years. Um, my, my, I guess my specialisation is organisational management, government, governance and also member services. 
Um, I've got a, a huge background in the media as well. So I've, I've kind of sort of walked a, uh, a, a different path. I mean, very, very varied. Uh, there's a little small elephant in the room that you failed to mention, Christine. You're also a three-time Olympian. Well, I don't really wear it as a badge. I uh, would. But <laughs> if, I, if I was a one-time Olympian, I'd have a shirt, mate. All five shirts work. So I'd be wearing one well, every Christine, day. Christine, on this podcast, we normally ask the people to go back to the very beginning and, and, and where you've come from. So I, I reckon we could probably start off at uh, primary school at Doubleview. I didn't go to Doubleview. Oh, didn't you? I went to Wembley Downs. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, well, I went to well, Wembley Downs and Churchland. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's close enough to Doubleview. Yeah, yeah it is close <laughs> enough to Doubleview. Yeah, um, yes. I started my athletics when I was at primary school and then I went on to high school and then um, had very good support from the teachers at high school. And uh, when I was having difficulty trying to train uh, for the Olympics in 1976 in Montreal, then they came to the fore and let me train at the school, which was fantastic. And uh, I had excellent support from Churchlands High School. And then, of course, I was selected for the Olympics in 1976, but a justification committee said, no, you can't go. And fortunately, I had a couple of good sponsors come on board, Western Underwriters Insurance at the time and also Channel 7, and they paid for myself and my coach to go over to the Olympics just to sample what the Olympic spirit and the feeling was all about. And it certainly was a bit of an eye-opener, that's for sure. And the reason I got dropped from the team was the fact that they could only have 19 athletes and they had to rank them like every team had to at that stage. And anybody under the line, they drew a line under 19, anyone under that line uh, really didn't get a chance to go. So um, I got dropped from the team and then I got to compete in an, a competition outside the, the Olympic venue in Montreal um, and I actually won that and I would have made the final if I'd had the opportunity to compete. So four, four years later and I go to Moscow, uh, even with all of the things that are going on in Moscow, at the time the Russians had invaded Afghanistan and uh, there was a boycott by a lot of Western countries and in Australia it, get, it got back to every individual sport to decide who would go to Moscow and who wouldn't. It was quite a difficult procedure to get to Moscow and, uh, and then of course following Moscow you know, I, made the, I was the sixth or the fourth highest jumper in the final even though I was severely injured. Then I went to Los Angeles and then I went to my final Olympics was in 88 in Seoul. Um, and made three Olympic finals in in, um, in high jumping. But I was also a long jumper. I won, won an Australian Championships in high jump. And I was also a hurdler and a heptathlete. So I, I had a variety. Makes my uh, third at the Holly Rosary long, uh, Athletics Carnival not look too good after all. Sure, your third <laughs> was the starting point of bigger things. Christine, you did say that you who, were... Uh, who there were was the other two people in that competition? Uh, oh, I can't either. remember. No one remembers. Oh, well, I didn't remember first and second. I remember third. Uh, Christine, you said uh, 19. So how many would they take in a team these days? Uh, is that the whole athletics team, that 19? That was the entire, the entire right. athletics yeah. team, and they yeah. were putting eight and nine into a room. They just didn't have right. the facilities, and it took them 35 years to pay off that Olympics in 1976. Right. Oh, wow. Um, as it does, you know, mm. the Olympics are ex- an expensive um, expensive deal to put on. Um, yeah, so the t- team sizes are now much larger, much, much larger, mm. but the, the qualification standards are also much higher. Um, so it's pretty tough to make the Olympic right. team, and if you do... Well done. Well done, yeah. And so I, I gather that you would have um, uh, learnt a, a lot of things during those three appearances uh, representing Australia and it's obviously uh, giving you a, bit, a lot of grounding in on all your pursuits that you've taken afterwards. Well, I think being an elite athlete of any sort, mm. I think you bring a lot of things to it. The, the ability to focus, uh, the ability to be goal-driven, uh, to be self-motivated. Discipline would be a big one as discipline well, Discipline would be huge. Yeah, discipline is quite huge. And also resilience because you have to be resilient. You get, you're going to get injured. You're going to have things that don't go your way. So, yes, you have to um, be able to 
be flexible enough to make a lot of changes when you need to make those changes and you have to be able to think on, on the spot too. But it also puts you in an atmosphere where, you know, uh, how many people get a chance to, to perform in front of 110,000 people in a Moscow stadium and that was um, an, a glorious sort of feeling as well. Um, so I think it's, uh, I think elite athletes also bring, at the end of their careers, they bring a, a sense of wanting to give back and um, certainly that's what I've intended to do. I've tried to give back where I can to, to other areas, especially in the not-for-profit space. And, and I've been, in the last past two years, I've been president of a high-performance sporting club. And that's, um, it's been quite demanding, um, especially going through COVID and uh, COVID times. But um, certainly that has been a learning experience as well as a, a really important experience for, for trying to help and assist those athletes that are coming through at the next level. Well, we look forward to what you can bring to us in the in the uh, in the near future, Christine. That's great. So, what what do you see um, as your sort of medium, short to medium goals within the association? Obviously, the very short term goal will be the uh, awards night that we have coming up fairly soon. But uh, any sort of other other goals that you see you you'd really like to achieve as the EO? Well, I'd like to actually put out a little bit of a call to everybody in the industry to actually make sure that they get their entries and nomination forms in for the awards by this Friday the 17th of February. Um, other than that, um, from a perspective of the hot issues I've picked up in the sector, bearing in mind I've only been here for a very short while, um, I see labour and workforce being a particular issue. Uh, training and qualifications is another issue and, and, and of course developing higher levels of professional standards and ethics is uh, an area of governance that's always uh, important within any um, peak body that's um, trying to support an industry, especially an industry that's so um, so important to the West Australian community. Yep, oh, absolutely. And talking of, uh, of training, um, we... As an industry, we often you often hear people bemoaning the lack of regulation regulation within the landscape industry, and um, we've talked as an association a lot over the last few years that I've been involved in the association about regulation and about trying to get um, really worthwhile qualifications and uh, trade type certificates for for more people and making it a more regulated industry. Do you, do you see that something we can achieve even in the medium term? I think that's something that you have to have discussions and advocate with um, the right people. And the right people are always through uh, departments, through the Department of um, Demers, which is Department of Mines of Industry and Regulation, and also other departments and through um, uh, local authorities. Um, you also need to go through three layers of government to get that to happen through the education phase. Also, um, you need to get those regulators and the, the MPs, so all of those politicians, you need to be able to talk to them and get them to, to be on side to see the benefits of this. And I think as an industry, it's a really important um, move to actually start to regulate the industry because I think it's a protection for consumers in particular, but it's also a protection for the, the practitioners. I mean, anybody can go and put a post up and say, um, you know, I'm offering this particular service or that particular service in landscaping and gardening. But you don't really know what you're getting and you don't necessarily get what you want. And um, so I think it's a really good idea to have professionals that are actually well-trained and well-supported through their industry body, like Liawa, and also and, and then have that continuing professional education. I'm also a registered property manager and I have continuing regulation, uh, um, continuing practising professional development through um, the Real Estate Institute of WA. And I think that is a sort of a model that perhaps we could look toward. In the landscape industry, Christine, you'll find um, historically there's been a lot of businesses and, and quite successful ones now that have started off with a wheelbarrow, ute and a, and a shovel. 
So we we do come from a very um, uh, a basic grounding at times. Um, when I did my apprenticeship, and I'll go back a few years here, but it was all on horticulture, and then it moved into landscaping and other bits and pieces. And and I think even though we've got safe studies today, I think uh, from back in back in the day, it's it's probably not downgraded, but it's not as intense as what it used to be. And I think that's where we need to offer our people some real good education on, on how you can actually better yourself in, in the different fields. And, and I think that is one of our challenges that we do have. Um, yeah, you're probably right. And that's certainly the case in a lot of um, industries that are uh, manually based, labour intensive. They they certainly, you know, trying to start from a small base and then then move up from there. I mean, when my husband was doing his horticultural qualifications, they were quite intense. In fact, um, I remember him having to do a soils exam when we were in Paris and I was travelling around competing and we had to find somewhere and we ended up at the Australian Embassy for him to do his soils exam. So they were quite intense about and quite quite proper, I, I believe, about and serious about the, the way that people were trained. And I think that's something that perhaps would be great if that... Um, that that concentration on performance and excellence would be, I think, valuable to the industry. Yeah, and I, I think we're not we're, we're not the only industry that are probably crying out for things like that. You will see a lot of apprenticeships now have gone from the four years down to two years, and they sort of, you know, you know, not not saying they're being dumbed down, but certainly, um, you know, when it all first started, it was a very intense course in in lots of different trades, but it seems to have just tapered off a bit, and I think this is where we need to. Uh, to get the government support to actually bring this educational you know, program back in to, to not, of, not just our trade. Been a lot of fast tracking, I think, yeah. trying to get people qualified and out, out working, doing the work, because we're suffering such a major labour shortage mm-hmm. at the moment. So the government is of all stripes are, are very keen to fast track people through the um, qualification periods and get them out there working. Yep, and that's one thing that uh, I think we need to look at. Absolutely. Now, Christine, you've also got a very strong background in, in events planning, um, which we're going to test to the absolute limit with our awards tonight we're coming up. But um, events are a really important part of what the Yawa does. And um, I'm hoping we're going to be looking forward to a, a full calendar of events over the next 12 to 18 months. Well, with the direction of yourself and, and your board, um, uh, then I'll get a pretty good understanding of what's going to work and what's not going to work. We also need to get members to actually jump on board and attend these events. So when we put them on, we need you to, to engage, the members need to engage and to, to be able to enjoy uh, the benefits of being a member organisation. And the reason we join organisation, any organisation, is for that opportunity to make those networking connections and they are vital, especially if you're a small operator, because you need those connections to be able to, to, to sort of get of an understanding of that you're not alone in this industry, that there is support out there. And I know, Darren, personally, you tend to take um, a very uh, strong leadership role in providing support for those that are up and coming and even consumers that are struggling uh, with some of the issues that they may face with people that are not members. Um, so I, I see that as a really important facet. So the so the sort of types of or the types of industry activities that we can events that we can do can be uh, wide ranging and wide ranging, including trying to activate some of our sponsors and actually go to them and actually bring some of those events to them as well. So I think there's going to be some fun things ahead. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And the I'm sure Karen will agree the networking nights where people just get an opportunity to sit around and talk about or stand around and talk about what we do in the industry and uh, problems we may be having. And, and, you know, the old saying about problem shared, problem halved, and sometimes you, you might have a 
something that you're doing in your business that's really causing you a headache and you can go and talk to a couple of people at one of these Liawa networking nights and they'll say, I had that problem, this is how I fixed it. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're absolutely of great value to, to our members and I look forward to as many as possible. I think networking nights are fantastic. Yeah, they're they're great. They are a great night, but I think we also need to encourage people when they do come along to actually, you know, physically start networking because there's a lot of people who come along and sort of sit in the corner and know one or two people, and you tend to stay with those. So it's getting getting people to engage with each other, and and I'm a big one for mentors as well. You know, sort of the people who have been in the industry for a while that. Um, if we can get our, our younger starters coming in and, and actually being mentored in the game, and I think um, it's very important that we, you know, that the people who've been around for a while actually share the knowledge that they have. To, uh, you, know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. It's um, it's it's helping everyone, and, and if you help everyone, the industry only gets stronger and stronger. Yeah, that's absolutely, and I think um, it does become incumbent a little bit us as the association to. Um, make those connections happen at, at the, the networking nights as well. We don't just um, hire a venue and, and corral people in and hope they'll talk to each other. So we'll be obviously looking to run these, um, like our trade nights and such forth, where it really encourages that mingling and conversations to really spark off and uh, you know become a real success for, for the association for our members. Um, I think uh, over, the, over the years when we started uh, the association, Christine, we had about 40 members. I think we're up to about 100-odd members now. Do you see um, the increased? Can you see in your um, yeah, crystal ball that we may need to get up to 150, 200 members to actually have a very strong organisation? I think there's a lot of alliances that you can make with um, um, allied peak bodies as well, and I think grow grow the organisation by by I think uh, those associations, and so, and so I think perhaps there's maybe there's room for some alliances and perhaps some some. Um, I, I guess uh, joint ventures with with some. Uh, I know there are already events that where there are joint ventures in place. Um, you know, stronger associations perhaps with uh, Turf Australia, um, the Nursery Association, the designers, the landscape designers. You know, I think that there's there's something there that we can actually start work together, and I think um, that would be making the industry a lot stronger, and also that gives you a stronger voice. Yeah. I'm, not that we're planning on leave, giving you much in the way of spare time over the next uh, particularly few months, but what do you do to wind down and uh, what, what are your hobbies now? Because I'll, I'll tell you, you're not high jumping anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I coach. Um, I coach netball and athletics. Um, I've been coaching athletics for many, many years now um, and I, I've just stuck with one school. I've been doing the one school for quite a long time. So it's little athletics or are you into I, high I performance? Have, or? Um, I, I used to do high performance. Yeah. I had a large squad and, and um, uh, then it wasn't uh, – I wasn't able to continue. I had a young family and had el- elderly mm. parents so um, I had to step away from that. And But I continued my, my coaching at this particular school so I do all of their uh, junior school and also their senior school and I've been doing that for over 40 years. Cool. Um, I'm not 200 years old. No, no, no. Um, and, and I've also been coaching netball for some time and I just do that again as a volunteer um, exercise. So um, I have, I'm a, a life member of the um, UWA Little Athletics Club. I have done more 15 years in one stint and many, many other years and other occasions as well. So I've wor- worked at high performance level as well. Um, I'm actually a qualified level two, which is um, a high performance um, jumps coach. 
Um, so I, I have done a fair bit of training over the years and I also have – so my interests at the moment tend to lie in um, – I play a lot of tennis, so I'm on the court three times a week. Um, and I, I'm in the gym three times a week. Oh, making me tired. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. I have to, otherwise his body will fall apart. So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still trying to keep fit, uh, st- uh, stop my body from falling apart. And um, I'm also in a choir, so I, I sing in an archipelago choir. So Please tell me you don't sing, Kieran. No, no, I don't, no. Only in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planning on never hearing you sing in the shower. <laughs> Well, Chris, I think we've probably um, through everything we wanted to ask you, unless there's anything you particularly any message you'd like to send out to our Liawa members or anyone that, that are many hundreds of listeners of to, to the podcast. Well, um, we have uh, Liawa will be shining a spotlight on the best of the best of the industry. We'll be showcasing the awards of excellence on the 18th of March at Optus Stadium, and we want to see as many people as possible there so that they can come and meet me, and um, we're going to have a fun night. There's fun things that we're planning. And I think that uh, if you come along, you you will definitely have a great night. Uh, for 2023, we'll be looking to plan some new exciting events. Um, we're looking for um, an increase in sponsors and stakeholders. And I believe that um, in the future, um, we'll be picking up some, some pretty good new people coming on board to, to support the organisation. So um, as I... I've said to you earlier, I am not a horticulturist, I'm not a landscaper, so it feels a little bit like a baptism of fire, stepping into the boots of Matt, who's moved on to greener pastures, literally. Mm. So um, I hope that I'm able to represent the organisation at, at the level that it deserves. Thank you very much, and I, I certainly am looking forward to the, particularly the next 12 months, I think it'll be a very exciting time for the association. Anything further to add, Kizza? No, that's great, and welcome aboard, Christine. Thank you. So thank you very much, Christine. Thank you, Kizza. Thank you very much to our technical expert, Ben Sims. I'm Darren Signor and look forward to talking to you again on Green Thumbs Up. Thank you. You've been listening to the Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by the Landscape Industries Association, WA, sponsored by Mini Quip Hire.